What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the June 11th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Getting for ready for our first off-season pod. Uh, we're going to talk some LeBron, which we'll be talking about a lot, and some other news over the weekend and some draft stuff. With me, I do so is Ryan Canas. What's up, man? Uh, trying to figure out what to do during one of the first lulls of the NBA offseason. Uh, this this post-finals malaise. I don't know what to do with myself, but... Uh, the draft's coming up, and right after that, we'll have free agency, so there's still a lot to talk about. This weekend was so weird, because I'm so used to, like, building my weekend schedule for errands and grocery shopping, like, around the NBA schedule, you know? And just, I was like, yeah. Sunday, I was just like, what, like, I could do whatever I want today? <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was something that was interesting. Uh, speaking of something that's interesting, we've been talking about this really since game one, um, since we kind of knew that the Cavs were done, and that's the likelihood that LeBron is going to leave, um, which, again, all indications. If you look at the Vegas odds, <clears throat> the Lakers are the front runners right now uh, at plus 200. Lakers are plus 350. Heat plus 500. Uh, Knicks, Rockets are weight. Rockets fell down, um, according to mm. Vegas. Because we'll talk about that in a second, but then the Cavs are plus three thousand. So if you're not sure what that means, you if you bet a hundred bucks, you win three thousand dollars. So um, that's pr- pretty wild odds. Um, <clears throat> another news was, wait, which is will be kind of new. Um, Windhorse said kind of anything's on the table, and then Wade said it's more about basketball, which we also saw. We talked about like Bron Junior being a factor. Uh, what Bron's thir- Bron Junior's thirteen, his other sons. 11. He has a little girl as well, so that's a factor for him. They have the LA crib. That's probably why the Lakers are first now. So, um, yeah, hand it to you. What, do you. what do you think? I've been talking about this so much. I'll let you run this thing. Yeah, well, you hit some of the highlights. Um, the, the fact that it does seem like an inevitability. Le- LeBron's out of Cleveland. Uh, he delivered the one championship. You know, that, that team doesn't have what it's going to take over the next couple of years, barring some really drastic, unexpected moves. So, um, he's out of there. I, I think the Lakers are the top team for a reason because they have the cap space um obviously they compare him with another max superstar everyone talks looks at paul george who has some interesting quotes he said right after the season that the next team he chooses you know he doesn't want to bounce around the league he wants to be with with the team for the long haul and build something for the future so you know signing on a team that also has lebron seems like a pretty good blueprint for that especially in a giant market in la where paul george also has roots um so that's that's one popular theory that i i might ascribe to yeah um but a lot depends on where chris paul goes he's gonna want also a max deal and the rockets i think part of the reason they're falling rapidly in the uh, lebron lottery is because they can't afford him they have Ryan Anderson owed $40 million over the next two years. Uh, Eric Gordon on a lucrative contract, and they're going to have to pay Clint Capella in restricted free agency. You're already paying hard, and you're, you know, so it adds up quickly. Plus, Trevor Rees is a free agent. Um, just too much 
you know, where are they going to find the money to afford uh, to bring back Paul and pay LeBron a, a max contract? Yep, yeah, like we always talk about career longevity and career arcs, like paying Chris Paul uh, a five-year deal, like you know, he's all, I always, like I've been saying, I think LeBron's going to be good for like four or five years, but Chris Paul, like if he gets, a, I mean, the last two years of that max deal, that's not going to be fun for a guy who's really starting to get hurt. Um, mm. He's only played 80, he's played, he hasn't hit 75 games in a long time. Um, well, once, one, two, three, four, five, six, and six of his last seven seasons, he hasn't hit 75 games. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things you got to be concerned with about that. And again, there's a lot of leg injuries and stuff like that. So yeah, that's going to be a factor. Um, if, yeah. if, if he really, really is sticking to his guns about, I need max money, then maybe um, some team swoops in and pulls him away. Um, if he really cares about that. But I don't know. It kind of seems like it's just negotiation to me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, and I also think he'd be willing to take a little bit of a pay cut to keep that team together. Um, had he knock out and injured in the Western Conference Finals, maybe he's got a ring on his finger right now. So, uh, you know, that'll weigh heavily. And among the other options for LeBron, I guess people have mentioned the Heat and the Spurs. I'm not buying that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sixers are a popular option because they also have cap space. They have a young, talented team. Um, I, I could see that because the East provides, as LeBron has delivered over and over again, a, a good path for him to get to the finals. And if he has a better better cast around him, you know, maybe maybe he takes the path of least resistance to get back to the finals. Uh, he does want to play with. He's really emphasizing high IQ games who are built for the pressure, where every game, every possession is is pressure filled. So maybe that makes him hesitant to play with Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. You know, he, despite their talent, they haven't been there. So. Uh, a lot of variables. I'm sure we'll talk about this again in the coming weeks. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, one thing I wanted to add on to what you said, Paul George makes a lot of sense next to LeBron. We really learned this year that Paul George could be a great off-ball guy um, with his wing shooting, so he, he really improved there. Obviously, the defense, they have a lot of length. Lonzo, I thought, played well on defensive ends as well. So um, They'd be really, really thin up front, but we've, and which is kind of interesting because the Rockets, they're success, and everyone knows, like Golden State, you're going to have to be Golden State. And we learned... From the Rockets, that going no five with the PJ Tucker lineup can work. Um, just getting length and agility and switchability is kind of the the key to success. So definitely, um, there's a lot of good reasons to think that the Lakers have a shot. Um, yeah, Philly definitely could have the cap space. That maybe they can move that number twenty six pick, uh, attach some salary with that, and then they clear out the thirty five or whatever you need for LeBron. So, but yeah, fit wise, it's way it's like that, like just pure fit. But we said this about Houston too, or a lot of people did. I wasn't concerned about it. They're like, oh yeah, um, it's gonna be a bad fit with Harden and Paul. Like, kind of the same thing. But yeah, shoot, two ball dominant okay. ISO guys. But yeah, I, but, I, I think LeBron's smart enough, and Simmons is versatile enough. I think they'd make that work. But you're yeah. you're right. It's an interesting fit there. Yeah, but shoot, shoot uh, good shooters translate. Um, and LeBron's a solid shooter nowadays. Ben Simmons certainly is not. Okay, again, we'll be talking about this. Mentioned Philly. Right before I posted the pod on Thursday, the Colangelo news happened. We've been talking about this so much, and we don't know why it took so long. We thought they'd have someone lined up, which is why it took so long, but not yet. Um, David Griffin's name's flowing around there. I, I would miss I would miss him on TV, man. Uh, same with Brent Barry with the, the Detroit thing, which we're going to talk about Casey in a second. But, um, yeah, I, I, I guess they got to hire somebody quickly. If not, Brett Brown's going to be in charge for... What's going to be a very important pick for that franchise at number 10. Yeah, and Brown's proven that he's good at delegating responsibilities, but right now there's a lot on him, uh, especially with the draft he's com- coming right up. So it'll be interesting. You're right. I think they're in scramble mode, and 
Wow. What a, what a crazy fallout because they did an internal investigation and the re- the final shoe that dropped was that they found out that he had revealed sensitive non-public uh, information contained in certain posts to Twitter. So the that what went unsaid there was he told his wife and she told the world. And yeah, just another bizarro subplot in the NBA offseason. You got to love it. And to tie those two stories we started with together, Joel Embiid right after LeBron lost said trust the process, find a new slant. That was brilliant tweet which is what he does every time okay so switching gears to the winners it sounds like kevin durant's going to be back um, which is interesting because we've seen a couple wild quotes from sean livingston saying shout out to steve kerr for putting up with the player's stuff uh the david west quotes kind of picked up some steam he said when you guys find out about this poop emoji you'll flip about all the stuff that uh, what's going on between the players and um steve kerr again he had a wild season called his hardest of his career don't forget about that game against the Suns where he had the players coach that one game. So it was yeah. there was a lot going on here. And I mean I mean with David West saying it's gonna be a, a flip out story, like you would think that it's about a star player. You know, like oh like oh Nick Young and JaVel McGee were a lot of drama. Like, okay, that's not surprising. Right. You would think if he's to describe it the way in which he's describing it, you would think it's about one of the four all stars. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm truly in the dark. I have no guess. I know that Curry made some vague allusions um, in in their press conferences during the finals to certain situations that happened in-game on the bench and that how the players sort of just rallied together in the heat of the moment and, and moved past it. Um, but, yeah, we haven't had any concrete reports as to what they, that might be about. I, I don't – I'm not reading much into it. I, don't, I think – Kevin Durant wants to be part of a dynasty. That's why he went to Golden State in the first place. He's getting exactly what he wants. Um, they're still in a position to pay him. And, and he said after game three, he said he was planning to stay and just needed to work out the small details. So I'll take that over David West's vague tweet, you know, in terms of what's, what's going to dictate Durant's decision. Yeah, David West's quote, uh, he had a tweet that kind of suits him as well. He took a, a shot, uh, a picture of... Javel and Nick Young passed out on a plane, and he said the Henny is undefeated, which is kind of what happened <laughs> to David funny. West. Like I feel like he had a little too much of the, uh, the alcohol and um, got loose lips, I guess, and talking about what what they were talking. Um, yeah, and I, I, if if that was on the flight home, I read that they they had to delay the flight by three or four hours because the players were out celebrating, so <laughs> so to speak. Um, so yeah, you may be right. Yeah. All right, so changing gears to another player that. This whole Kawhi thing, man. We love Woj, we love Shams, we love all these guys. But man, all the reports about Kawhi were so off all season. Like, if, as far as like missed reports go, this is like a Mount Rushmore uh, that we've seen. We usually see these guys nail stuff, but all year it's been a mess. And now Shams is saying Kawhi's back to 100%. They're trying to, you know, mend the fences. Man, he is such a wild card for fantasy, huh? Like, I don't know. We're we're gonna set up a mock draft, and like, I don't know where he's gonna go. Like, he can go as high as like six, seven. I don't think he would do that, but yeah. he has to go in the top twenty, you would think. So, um, again, this is um, not, I'm not surprised he's back to one hundred percent. I mean, this they got knocked out like almost fifty days ago, so that's a long time, which goes to show you how long the playoffs are. But um, yeah, I mean, what are your impressions on Kawhi? We're just kind of going dark again. We don't really know what's going on here. Yeah, and that's going to scare a lot of people because he went top 20 in most drafts, drafts last year, if not higher, um, just on the pure top five fantasy upside. And that was without 
any clear return date, as we soon found out. Um, you know, worse than anyone could have expected with him playing in, what was it, nine games total? Something like that? Yeah. Um, I'll take him top 20. I mean, if he falls to me at 16, th- there's a lot of time between now and then, and hopefully we'll have seen him on the court working out, you know, things like that. But I, I don't think I could let him fall right now. Um, and we'll see what jersey he's playing in, because apparently he's going to meet with Pop soon. I'm going to talk to him, but if they can't work out an extension, Kawhi is definitely going to be unrestricted next year. He's got a player option, which he will will undoubtedly decline. So if he's unwilling to negotiate an extension, which seems plausible based on all the tit-for-tat, whatever went on this, this year between him and the team, um, you know, he forces the Spurs' hand, and I think they, they really have to consider just extracting max value for him. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing with uh, Anthony Davis as well, um, which I saw something earlier today. I was watching TV and they were talking about, or Tim Cullen called me with the story, and you know trading AD with two years left and getting back the farm for AD. It's kind of the same with Kawhi. Like you're going to get one year for a guy who's this is going to be his best contract. You know he's in his prime. He's going to turn 27 uh, later this month. Um, so you're going to get him what age 28 through 33. So that's like just heading into the, his prime. So um, yeah, you would think he's he's going to he can get whatever you want, but. I mean, this guy was so, so good the last two seasons ago, man. 26 with delicious efficiency and just we love the steals. Like, he's just so such a fantasy stud. So, yeah, it all depends. We have to kind of investigate who's going to be there. But, I mean, I would take him over pretty much um, like the injured big man. Um, Boogie and Chris Stapps. And, oh, for sure. Yeah, that's kind of easy. But, um, yeah. Trying to think. Um, I would still take Gobert, those guys, but yeah, mid mid seconds probably where I'm thinking. Yeah, that seems safe enough. And yeah. one, just just a quick note on Anthony Davis. Tim Kawakami, the writer who did that, is not afraid of hot takes. Huh. And if the if the Pelicans do that, their entire front office should just be fired immediately. That that would be a travesty. But yeah. we'll we'll see. We're a long way away from that. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's gonna be again. That'll probably be next season when we're talking about this. Yeah, a year uh, from today, we'll bring that up. Another player in a similar situation is Kyrie Irving, who kind of hinted that he may be open to leaving Boston. Again, this is this is just negotiation. I mean, these guys want to get paid. They're not going to say, oh, I, lo- like, I love it here. I'm going to stay here. Do, do whatever you want. You know, it's just the way, the name of the game. It's a business. So I don't really put much stock into it, and I do not want to talk about his stupid flat earth thing. <laughs> no, never, <laughs> never, never talk about that. <laughs> um but, yeah, you're right. I, I think it's all just gamesmanship. I, I, I thought it was interesting that he, he was asked a simple question, like, how do you feel about your long-term commitment to Boston, something in that line? And he basically said, we'll see. I'm thinking right now about winning a championship next year. So what more do you want the guy to say? I, I'm not. The only thing is it came right on the heels of a report from Chris Mannix that the Celtics were, quote-unquote, scared that he might bolt in free agency. Who knows how deep that goes. Um so yeah, I'm not. Again, another story that really won't pick up steam until this time next year. So yeah, and Mannix is a Boston guy. He does a lot of stuff with the Celtics, so definitely something to take a take note. Um, speaking of other reports that were interesting, you mentioned guys who were kind of wild with the hot takes. Um, there was a story about Chris Dunn, the Boston, excuse me, the Bulls front office, kind of losing some faith in him. So just to give you a, a side note, the Chicago Sun-Times reporter that wrote that, he is always talking negative about the Bulls. Like, that's his M.O. Um, so take that with a tablespoon of salt. But um, it's interesting. I mean, this team is going to pick seventh. You know, Dunn didn't really finish strong, got hurt. 
Uh, he did kind of trend down a little bit as well. So, uh, I mean, I still think that he's their guy. Like, I'd be shocked if he didn't start. But if they're picking seven, and apparently they like Trey Young and Colin Sexton, I mean, you would think they'd go big, especially if, like, Bamba or Jackson are going to be there. I don't think they're going to be. But, um, yeah, so what do, you, what do you make of this whole Chris Dunn thing? And, again, more for points leagues, because I know I think he's, he's going to get overdrafted in 9 because he's not very good for percentages. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little bit over overrated. I wouldn't be surprised. The Bulls could even go with Wendell Carter Jr., the probably, you know, one of the best centers on the board um, at number seven. So I don't see them necessarily. I feel like Trey Young or Colin Sexton would be a bit of a reach there, but uh, maybe. You know, if this report is true and they've lost faith in, in Dunn, then so be it. Maybe they do that. But t- uh, keep in mind, we're two months removed from a quote by uh, VP of Operations John Paxson who said, I've, in quotes, I feel really good about going into next season with Dunn as our starter and Payne as our backup. So that's the last official word we've gotten from the Bulls' front office. And then you get one you know, aberrant report from a beat writer. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm not putting any stock into that at all. But um, if they do go point guard, then, I, then I, that would put a lot of credibility in that report, though. Because like yeah, you said, so they, they need forwards true. bad. Like They have marketing, but... I mean, if they take a point guard, with like say Michael Porter sitting there, you mentioned Wendell Carter, um, even maybe like go Miles yeah. Bridges, maybe there's yeah, a lot of options for him there. For sure, I see like, Kevin Knox has been kind of rising up boards. I saw the mm. Draft Express guy moved him up, um, so we'll see. Uh, a couple other notes I want to talk about before we switch to draft really fast. Uh, Trevor Reza, uh, Chris Haynes. There's also a great story from Awful Announcing about Chris Haynes about just kind of where he came from. He's the man. Uh, and as I've said multiple times, he's the best media basketball player um, on the planet. He's really, he's an incredible basketball player. But yeah, so check that out. Um, from uh, shout out to them. But yeah, he said a reason may take a pay cut, which isn't surprising. I mean, this guy's been in the league for a long time, and he's made a lot of money. You know, I think he wants a ring, so you would think that you know he's going to be 33 again. I think I think he's satisfied with where he is financially. So if he takes a pay cut into you know the Nick Young kind of a deal. That would be man. That would be such a tough blow for Houston because we we saw the Warriors missing wings was really a big storyline. Uh, and Ariza's been pretty durable for the most part. This year he was a little bit hurt, but three uh, really the previous four seasons you're looking at 77 games, 82, 81, 80. Um, so he has not been performing or playing at a, a 30 year old kind of a, a level. He's been really durable. Um, so I guess imp- that would obviously destroy his fantasy value. But yeah. what were your impressions when you heard that story? Well, first, Trevor Ariza, if he did don a Warriors uniform next year, would be incredible. I think that, like, real world, that would be an amazing fit. Just his length, the the three-point shooting, the defense, it would make an amazing team even better. Um, It did seem to me, I didn't listen to the whole, I think it was a podcast where Haynes mentioned that, and it sounded, the impression I got was that it was speculation, that Ariza could take a pay cut. Uh, you know, based on his career arc and so forth. But if he does, to me, why wouldn't he stay with the Rockets, a team that he's comfortable with, where he's he's got potentially two uh, superstars right next to him already, and they were t- they were they had two games to get one win and beat the same team that we're saying he might go to. So I don't take that as like hard evidence that he's going to do it. Yeah, it feels like it was kind of leaked. Where you know, yeah. was, and I know Haynes is tight with a lot of players. You probably remember Haynes had, uh, which made a lot of people upset when he had that Gordon Hayward news. Um, he's just pretty tight with a lot of players to get the information. So 
But yeah, I, I just feel like that's just leverage for Ariza to maybe get some money from the Rockets if he needs to. So uh, I, yeah, I, I still think the Rockets are the heavy favorite. Like you said, he's really established himself in the system and the three and D guy, and we love him for fantasy for the three and D really. So yeah. should be interesting with that one. Uh, another really fun story, interesting story, is Hassan Whiteside, um, who apparently is not going to get traded because his value is too low, which is totally legit. This guy was hurt bad, couldn't stay on the floor, couldn't close games out. I mean, this guy just got paid big bucks. Um, he's not. He. I mean, they're kind of stuck with this one, man. I don't really see how they get anything for him. Yeah, it'll be interesting because if he doesn't rehabilitate his value this year, whether he stays in Miami or is traded, he might have to opt in for $27 million in 2019-20 because um, he's probably, you know, if he has another year like he did last year, his value will be so low. I think even a long-term deal at his age might not be worth it. Um, so there's a lot riding on this season for Hassan, for one thing. And number two, Pat Riley apparently wants to mediate between Spo and Whiteside, but I just feel that the that relationship is so deeply ruptured. I mean, they poured money and faith on the court into that guy for years, and he delivered for long stretches, but he also, you know, completely collapsed for stretches and publicly called out his coach and called it BS that he wasn't playing. And um, even this summer, I think he posted a picture of himself making a three-pointer with, <laughs> yeah. the, with the caption, there's a difference between not being able to make them and not being allowed to shoot them. So just another criticism. It's like, just put it to rest, man. Just work on your game this summer. There's no need for that uh, extracurricular nonsense. So he's not helping his own cause. And we'll see going into the yeah trade season. It's going to be interesting because he's going to keep coming up. That's That's for sure. I just don't know if the market's there for him. Yeah, a couple things I'll add. You'll remember that quote when he said, um, you know, a lot of teams need a center. <laughs> that was kind yeah, of funny yeah. um, after he got benched again. Um, and then fantasy value? I- I'm not touching him. Uh, I I, I, have, I went through my rankings. I think I had Jared Allen higher than I had Hassan Whiteside for a hot take. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not drafting Whiteside. Like, there, if there's a – and we talked about this. Um, Jonas wrote a roundtable – and I read a lot of stuff. I mean, this guy's hurt a lot, too. Um, again, not playing through injuries. For a guy who's going to be 29 um, this week, in two days, um, for a guy who I'm concerned about his career arc as well. Like, I feel like we've all, like, no doubt, I think two years ago was his best. Or even, um, so that, two, that two-year span from 2015 to 2017, like, that's for sure the best we're going to get out of Whiteside, I think. Like, I don't think there's any chance he matches those numbers. Yeah, and in that span, it was basically, oh, here's this guy who we thought wasn't going to work hard and had attitude issues. Look how, you know, he's making good, and he did. And now, you know, those early problems are kind of rearing their heads. So this isn't exactly a new issue that's completely out of the blue. This this was the book on him prior to his out-of-nowhere explosion as a starting caliber center with the Heat. So, yeah, it's, it's a little bit troubling. Find a new slant, Ryan. <laughs> All right, so... Let's talk centers. Tommy and I talked a lot about DeAndre Ayton. Um, he sounded great um, when he was with the Suns. So I'll, I'll just hand it to you really quick on that. What I mean? What are your impressions? Uh, he really knocked it out of the park for his workout. He obviously said he thinks he's or he knows he's going number one. Um, so what do you think about him? Maybe fantasy prospects and so forth. If the Suns, which it sounds like they are, take him number one. Oh, I believe him when he says that he thinks he's going number one. If I'm not mistaken, he's he's declined every other workout invitation, which implies that he, he may have a guarantee. Um, I think they worked out five other, you know, borderline elite to elite big men also. They worked out think, Jackson, Bomba, yeah. 
and Bagley. So pretty much yeah. all the big men they got in there. And to my mind, that's more if a team comes to them with a home run offer to trade down a couple spots, I think they do, they were just doing their due diligence and saying, would it be worth it to trade down to get Jackson or Bamba and give up Aiton? You know, McDonough kind of laughed and said that's unlikely. So we'll see. But yeah, I think he's a potential generational talent, um, just natural scorer and a perfect fit in Phoenix, I think. Yeah, no, he's more caddy, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, you know, high offensive upside. But for fantasy, we love that. Anytime we talk, compare it to Cat, um, you're going to have my attention. One guy who I'm really starting, I've kind of always loved it. I've always, I'm on team wingspan, hardcore. Uh, and obviously when a guy has a 7'10 wingspan, you're going to be all about that. And that's Mo Bamba. And also, he's really bright, man. He was talking about like his arm angles on shooting. Like I love guys who get a mathematical-based analysis of their own shot. Like That just makes me tingly inside. Um, so he apparently made 80% of his threes at a workout. Uh, again, he said that the Suns coaching staff like helped him shoot better, which is really cool. But man, this guy, uh, I mean, he's, again, the guy is getting Rudy Gobert comparisons from GM Ryan McDonough of the Suns. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, th- I think I'm, I've got the uh, heart eye emoji for this guy. Like, I'm going to probably want, like, I, I'm taking him top 100, I think, for the blocks upside. And he's going to be a decent shooter, I think, from the line, too. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. The, the the hype is growing for a reason. Uh average a strong double double last year and three point seven blocks per game. I think that can translate. I don't think he's gonna hit that number, obviously. He's not gonna play thirty plus minutes as a rookie, but this guy's gonna be a blocks monster. Um, you know, think about a, a guy like Jared Allen, except possibly you know, I think as a rookie he could possibly exceed what Allen did this year. Right? So I love his immediate impact upside. And if he falls, like if the Mavs can get him at number five, that's a no-brainer, I think. Uh, one thing I want to mention on Jared Allen, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie said he's going to be a top-five center soon, so Jared Allen hype train. <laughs> but, yeah, he he looks great. Uh, again, I, we'll talk more about where he fits, but, I mean, he fits really anywhere. All these teams that pick early, like, they all need a big man. So he would be stepping in the minutes right away. Do you think there's a preferred place for fantasy value that you want him to land? Uh, I mean, Dallas looks good to me. Yeah, you Dallas know? looks great. They, they like playing Dirk at center these days because they kind of have to, but he, you know, his minutes could fall to 20 a game, so that's not really a threat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, that, that off the top of my head, I, I like Dallas. Yeah, and Jaron Jackson also, man, another guy who can block shots. Uh, three blocks per game in just 22 minutes per game. Um, shoots the three really well. He's, he's almost a 50-40-80 uh, guy. Um, so he's just crazy skilled. And both both Bamba and Jackson, man, I just enjoy listening to them talk. They're just such bright guys. And just um, Jackson said he wants to have a career in broadcasting when he's done with the NBA career. But it feels like his NBA career is going to be a really, really long time. Um, both big wings, man. Both are really fantasy friendly. So wherever they land, man. I know um, Jonas is more on Team Jackson than he is on Team Bamba. But both those guys, man, and Aiton as well. Like this is going to be a pretty rookie-friendly draft, and that's really been, that's been a big topic for us the last couple of years. Is like usually teams that do well late in the season is because they have. And I, this is my my motto going into the drafts last year: you want young players on bad teams. So yeah, I, I'm going to be all in for those guys. And just to drive home the Jackson point, he looks like he could be really good um, in Atlanta. He's going to work out for Atlanta this week. Uh, we mentioned him working out for Phoenix. So those guys all look great. You know, all these yeah. teams, all these bad teams need need guys bad. Yeah, so if the Kings do take uh, Luka Doncic at, at number two, 
I, I think the Hawks grab Jaron Jackson at three. He looks terrific, and he's not just a scorer. He's great defensively, as you mentioned. I had what I pull up. He, per 40 minutes, he was blocking 5.5 shots. Uh, it's just crazy. And he's 6'11", and basically the only real criticism is that it needs to bulk up, which you could say about every single big man pretty much coming out of college who didn't play four years. Um, you know, he's amb- ambidextrous around the rim. He's... I, you know, I, I actually started watching some video on him and just everything I see, all the, you know, clips put together. And uh, you mentioned Draft Express. I recommend following Jonathan Giovanni on, on Twitter. He's the one who posted that interview with Bamba talking about his catch and shoot uh, release and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just great, great content. And you really get a feel for who these guys are. And yeah, Jaron Jackson, hugely impressive. So yeah, 41% on his two point jumper. So like contested stuff, really good. Yeah. Uh, mostly assisted on his threes at 97%, but that's fine. Uh, for a big man yep. to even shoot that well, that's really, really impressive. So, and yeah, again, I, I, like fantasy-friendly for sure. Like I'm, We're going to be all about those guys. Yeah, I think long-term NBA arc, I like Jackson more than Bamba for sure. But for fantasy, as, as rookies, kind of a toss-up. I might even lean Jackson on that one too. Yeah, I'm gonna be, it's going to be really close to see how Summer League too and see where they are there. But, um, yeah, it should be pretty fun. Uh, Shifting to the guards, we talked about Doncic quite a bit. He's officially in the draft, so take that. We kind of knew that anyways, but um, I've been talking about him a lot. Uh, a guy who, uh, he's probably not going to, like these big men that we keep talking about, I feel like I'm going to probably wind up drafting them before I'll draft Doncic. Are you with me on that one? Yeah, I am, because I think him adjusting to playing, you know, if they wanted to play point guard in the NBA, there's just going to be more of an adjustment period, perhaps. Although he's played a lot of high-level you know, elite competition and still is as we speak uh, with Real Madrid. So I, I, I don't know. I, there's enough unknowns about him. We haven't seen him work out for teams yet. Um, and he's and not it, going to, apparently. Yeah, right. And a lot of it depends A lot of it depends where these guys go. Um, but, yeah, I, I tend, if a if one of the guys we're talking about lands on a team that where, where they can earn 25 to 30 minutes a game, I'd probably take them over Doncic with, uh, with a similar allotment. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean he'll have to either compete with Darren Fox or Mike Conley. I mean he has the length to play next to him. And again, we, as we've been saying, there's nothing wrong with putting two point guards on the floor, especially if they have the length, which um, well at least Fox does and Doncic does too. Like Doncic, could yeah. they put him and on he, they put him on small forwards all the time in Real Madrid. Yeah, and he's shooting. I mean his percentages aren't bad. Forty almost forty six percent and seventy nine percent from the line uh, with Real Madrid this year. So that's good, but it's not great, and you could see that going down in his first NBA season. Uh, rebounds and assists should be good, but not great. And he's only averaging one steal per game. Now he's 25 minutes a game, so it's not a ton. But, uh, you know, so none of that really jumps out at me as, oh, he's going to hang his fantasy hat on this or that, like blocks or three-pointers, um, as some of the, these other guys. So, yeah, all of that kind of adds up to me being a little bit tentative about him. Yeah, and he went against NBA-sized guys, and it was kind of the... The island of misfit NBA centers over there with like Gustavo Ayon and, and Eddie Tavares, and there were a, a lot of legit ex NBA centers over there. So um, I'm not worried about the because I mean you go against college guys and they're not nearly the size of the NBA. Players. Right, inherent so, advantage. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think you should translate pretty quickly. Definitely interested there. Uh, Colin Sexton worked out for the Cavs on Saturday. Props to the Cavs for just moving along. Oh, we got swept. Okay, let's bring guys in. We get the eighth pick. Um, that. Let's tie in the Kevin Love factor. Brian Windhorst said that it sounds like the Cavs are going to move on from Love, which makes sense. I mean, they had to pretty much hit the reset button here. 
Um, this team, this roster is awful. Uh, so they need to just wait out these bad contracts for Clarkson and all that and George Hill and so forth. So, um, I mean, do you think they would – you'd want to have Sexton or whoever they take? Like, I feel like the Cavs, probably whoever they pick, will be very impactful. Yeah. Sorry, I was distracted by the fact that the, the Cavs could put, like, $20,000 on LeBron re-signing and be able to pay Kevin Love's salary for next year <laughs> just with the just with the Vegas winnings on nice. that. Um, Sexton, yeah, I mean, I think he would be a good fit, but, you know, George, uh, George Hill is still under contract, but he would be a good kind of veteran mentor for one season, uh, possibly two, depending on what happens in 2019. And Sexton's probably going to be there for them. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of ways they could go. They're another team that could take Miles Bridges. They could take uh, Trey Young over Sexton. What do you think? It, do you think that among point guards, I mean, it depends partly which team takes them, but do you like Sexton more than Young? I'm scared of Trey Young, man. Uh, yeah, a little, people, little two hit or miss. He's so tiny, man. He's not even six foot with shoes, without shoes. And, like, he doesn't have the wingspan. Like, Aaron Holiday has, like, I think, like, a 6'8 wingspan, and he's, like, 6'1", 6'2". But, you know, he's just so small, man. I mean, if he can't if he can't get off the dribble, like, he's screwed. Um, he's just going to be too short. To, like, he have to be, like, tremendous off-ball to be a... I, I just... I'm scared to draft Trey Young. I, I get that he could be amazing. The Steph, the Steph Curry things are not fair to him at all, just because he can shoot and he has deep range. Yeah. But I'm not... I mean, I guess I'd, I'd take him over Sexton, I guess... It's not like Sexton's really tall either. Uh, he does have a much bigger wingspan. I think it's six seven. Um, he's solid defensively as well, but I'm not really in on either of them. Um, yeah, I think they're rough, roughly the same height, at least according to a couple sites I've seen. Yeah. But, but in any case, you're right. Sexton much bigger wingspan. Uh, another just just go to scorer. I think the Cavs are going to really need that, um, especially if Love's not there. They might as well just turn this kid loose and and see if he can develop the other aspects of his game. If Michael Porter's there, I'd just take a chance on him. I think, just hope if he can Port- stay. Just hope he can stay healthy. Like that's kind of where you're at with this franchise. If Porter's there at eight, yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think he will be, but yeah, I, I think I think either the Bulls or or Magic will take him before that. Yeah, I think he's gonna. I think it makes sense a lot for to go to Chicago. Uh, you mentioned Trey Young, um, the Magic. He worked out for them. He's gonna work out for the Hawks on Tuesday. Are expected to. The Hawks are also going to work out Bamba on Thursday. Jaron Jackson as well. Melvin Marvin Bagley. Big big week for the Hawks. But I saw a story linking possibly Trey Young number three to the Hawks. Don't do that. Um, well, that was that was a report from Trey Young's agent right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he sounds all he sounds like a, a good dude. And obviously, when you lead the NCAA in assists and scoring, like that's awesome. But again, NCAA is not the NBA. Yeah, no, I mean, 20, 27.4 points per game, 3.7 triples, 8.7 assists, but he also averaged 5.2 turnovers. Um, you know, so the decision-making isn't always there. He's not always making the smartest passes or taking the smartest shots. So that's something you can work out those kinks throughout the season. Um, I think his size, and he's, he's not the most explosive athlete in this draft, so there's some concerns about his long-term ability as a defender in the NBA. Um I don't know, but he's not going three to the Hawks, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't think that would be so bad. But, um, okay, so last guy I want to talk about is Marvin Bagley. Um, worked out for the Suns over the weekend. He had an interesting quote. He said that he basically will hold a lifetime grudge if the Suns pass on him. He's from the Phoenix area. Um, <laughs> again, this guy's 
pretty awesome offensively, which we like to have for fantasy. I mean, this guy went to per 36, 22 and 12. Um, again, he has the defensive concerns, but yeah, if he goes to pretty much, I mean, anywhere but Memphis, I guess. I think Memphis would probably be the worst place for a big man because Saul's there. Like, you with me on that yeah. one? Yeah, for yeah for next season, and assuming Gasol stays there, um, but yeah, Bagley's another one of these very impressive prospects. He helps his case with a seven foot wingspan, um, which actually, yeah, I mean he's six eleven with a seven foot wingspan. So my bad, I, I read that wrong. That is not great. Yeah. Um, he kind of, so what would that make him? Is he, he's kind of a tweener, I guess. Huh? Actually, interesting he, quote from Ryan McDonough because he yeah. uh, Bagley himself was like, "Oh yeah, I could play the four or five and McDonough's like, "Nah, you're a four. Uh, uh, he didn't. He didn't say. Yeah, that. He didn't say I can't that exactly. see someone playing center. I mean, he goes up against Bombo with what's his wingspan again? Seven ten. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's a huge disadvantage already. But yeah, so. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure of the group. Like, if I'm drafting, I'd probably go ja- Aiton, Jackson, Bamba, and then Bagley after that. If I'm looking to rank big men, that like, sounds right to me. Yeah, we'll yeah. see how it shakes out with who lands where and how they look in summer league. But like, as if we draft like right now, that's probably where I'm going. Yeah, and yeah, so Bagley, yeah, could end up on the Mavs. Bamba could be on the Mavs. Yeah, I, well, if Bamba lands on the Mavs, that would change things. That would bump him down, right? Like you don't like his fit for fantasy is what you're saying? I just think Memphis is going to play slow. The Gasol factor's there. It's just more, there's more negatives there. So, like, if you're a team bomber or team Jackson for fantasy, you, you don't want him going to Memphis, I think. I think that's pretty cold take. Yeah, no, I agree with that, especially with the existing personnel and the fact that the the Grizzlies really don't have many options to mix that up and yeah. and bring in you know younger guys who can run at a fast pace. They're kind of locked into a, a, a top trio of Gasol, Conley, and Parsons who are making something close to seventy or more million this this year. It's it's a bad situation. Yeah, they're kind of screwed until the Parsons money comes off the books. Wow. But yeah, I really don't trust. I really don't trust them. Uh, they've got some work to do to get back in uh, the positive side of analysis. That, I mean, they've really done some pretty terrible things with their front office. And I can't believe they hired JB Bickerstaff so fast. That made no sense to me. Yeah. Speaking of which, I've got to, we skipped over Dwayne Casey. Um, what do you think about that um, for Blake and Drummond or anybody like that? Oh, you- first of all, it, it's yeah, it's a it's a home run hire for. Mm-hmm. For the Pistons. Um, so real quick, so apparently, just to give you the, the facts on that, uh, or reports, uh, David Aldridge said that they were kind of leaning against Gentry, I'm sorry, Gentry, uh, Casey's side, um, that they wanted to go into it, but obviously you see the five-year deal, so the bread was a factor there. Um, but yeah, and you're kind of wondering why, what took so long, because yeah. like, he was easily the best hire, but then again, once the other coaches got hired, except for Toronto, you knew that they had really no competition. Yeah, and the other thing was apparently I don't know if it was Aldridge or someone else who reported it, but uh, Pistons and owner Tom Gores were hesitant to let Casey, uh, Dwayne Casey, pick his entire assistant coaching staff, which seems bizarre. He's a coach of the year candidate who's coming in, and you know you're you're handing him the reins. Why not? But my thinking is maybe they were you know twice shy after being uh, bitten by Stan Van Gundy because they yeah. gave him so much power over personnel. So maybe they were like, okay, we're not going to make that mistake again, guys. And then Casey comes in saying right off the bat, I'm going to need to pick all my guys. 
but I think it was the right decision. Now the the heat is really on Toronto because if he wants to bring in his own guys, that probably includes Nick Nurse, who's mm. credited with really re- um, overhauling what the Raptors did, especially offensively last year. Right. So, and he's a leading candidate for the Raptors' job. So they, you know, may need to sweeten their offer, add a year. I feel like, or go go elsewhere and hire someone like um, Messina. Yep. So I think the the Raptors are going to make a hire pretty soon here. Um, yeah, but I think it's a great addition in terms of fantasy. I think it's a plus. Um, the The Raptors were quite a bit faster last year. They were, I think, fifth in offensive efficiency, whereas the Pistons were like 16th. Uh, a lot of that is personnel, of course, but I, I do think that the system Casey brings in will just be more beneficial for everyone. They're going to have to try to avoid iso ball with Blake Griffin. I think he's better when he's when he's passing and moving and getting little catch and shoots in the mid range. But um, yeah, overall, I view it as a, as a benefit. We'll see what the schemes look like in training camp and have a better feel. But how do you feel about the fantasy implications of this? First, you hit the nail on the head with the Van Gundy thing and hiring his own coaches. Like I think that's absolutely a factor. And overall, I don't think I'm. I mean, I mentioned Drummond like my whole dream scenario of drafting Giannis, Drummond, and Ben Simmons round one, two, three. Like I would love to do that. <laughs> but if that, if that doesn't happen, and I'm interested in Drummond, obviously, for points, but I'm not drafting Blake. I'm not drafting Reggie. Um, but, yeah, I'm interested in Drummond. I don't really think it affects him much. Like, he's just like, oh, he could score around the basket. He could rebound. Okay. Like, I don't really see how yeah. coach so you, change him. So you're not worried about the fact, because Casey was infamous for benching Jonas Valanciunas down the stretch for defensive lapses, when especially when teams went small and would put in a small ball five who could hit threes, or not even a small ball, but say a guy like Marcus Gasol or Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe that's a factor. Plus, added to which, Drummond can't hit free throws. So I'm a, I'm a little bit leery about that, but I don't think he, he can mess with the franchise center and Andre Drummond as nearly as much as he could with JV. So. Yeah, I think, I mean, Drummond's pretty good in space defensively where JV is kind of lead-footed when, you know, you get him on a wing on a switch on pick and roll and stuff. He's just trailing the play all the time. He doesn't have the quickness that Drummond does. Like, Drummond could block you from behind with regularity, whereas JV doesn't really do that. For so, sure. Yeah, so I'm, he, I'm not worried it, about it. Yeah, and even with modest improvements in that area, we saw JV playing in the fourth quarters last year. So I'm, I'm with you. It's not a big concern. It's just something that's yeah. in the back of my mind. Sounds good. All right, anything you want to add? No, that's that's enough of that. I think so. So we'll be back on Thursday. I think Jonas is coming on, somebody. But we'll be talking drafts, whatever news comes up. Um, doing some mock draft stuff, probably talk about that. And yeah, should be pretty cool. We're finally in the offseason. We should still be doing two pods per week uh, unless I hear something different. So we're usually going to go with the Monday, Thursday. Should be pretty cool. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mike. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.